Welcome, everybody, to the House of Hustle podcast on Sports Radio 810. We are presented, as always, by Charlie Hustle. I am Jared Sutton. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen St. John. We got a lot to cover today, Stephen. We haven't done a pod in a while. Um, lots to follow up with the college basketball excitement with the tournament. Uh, a lot of fun with watching March Madness this year. And then we're gearing up for the NBA playoffs. That's right. A lot of fun. So I saw something that uh, I wanted to ask you uh, because, look, I love basketball, but for the past couple of years, like whenever the the Big 12 SEC yeah. challenge would happen, got, there was like maybe always like one or two matchups like, oh, I like that, oh, I like that, and then the rest of like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, like Missouri had Iowa State this past year, and that was that was good. But it just, I just, I never really got matchups that I got super, super excited about. And I guess since Mizzou had played Iowa State pretty recently, I, like I wasn't really enthralled with it, even right. though I liked the way the game went. Um, and so when the Big 12 SEC challenge went away, I wasn't heartbroken. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then it's announced it's the Big 12 Big East challenge. And boy, let me tell you, even though as a Mizzou fan, I ain't got a dog in the fight. <laughs> These matchups are way better than what we saw in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Like, there's at least six or seven must-watch uh, games for me. And so I wanted to kind of run down these games. And there's like four or five-star games. But it also uh, kind of got in my head that, you know, everyone just defers now to uh, Big 12 is the best basketball conference. Big 12 is the best basketball conference. Well, now that UConn just won a championship, and I'm looking at the Big East, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, is there a, is there, and this is a great time to have this challenge. Is there a question here? So listen to some of these matchups, and then I want you to tell me what you think. Texas Tech at Butler. These are a couple of teams that have, in you know, over the last decade or so, been in the national championship game. Yeah. All right? And yep. so, so they bring some juice to the matchup. Texas Tech and Butler. Creighton. At Oklahoma State, Creighton was just in the Elite Eight, you know. I mean, they, I thought they were going to the Final Four. Oklahoma State, historically, is a very good basketball program, but that's got some juice. Creighton is a hell of a program. Iowa State at DePaul, I mean, you have to go back to, you know, years and years for DePaul to be a basketball power. So that that's one of them that's like, ah, Iowa State's terrific, but – Man, if they could ever get DePaul back up and running in Chicago, mm. you can see it, you know, right? No question. Like, I remember there was a great game that I went to uh, at Mizzou when DePaul played at Mizzou during the Kareem uh, Rush uh, era. So it would have been, what, Quentin Richardson at DePaul would have been the star player there? Yeah. I can't remember that, that exactly. Was, that was when they had a loaded team. Right, but, yeah, it was an exciting game yeah. and a loaded team. And I think Kareem Rush went for 30-something, mm. uh, and they won. That was uh, a fun team. <laughs> so that, so I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to talk up DePaul, but that's not – Today's DePaul. Houston, mm. Big 12, at Xavier. That's a fun matchup. Good God. Sam- that's, that's a that's Sam- five-star matchup. Samson back in the Big 12 is is great. Sean, yeah. Sean Miller back in college basketball in the Big East is great, too. What, which coach uh, – do you think there's a coaching matchup that would involve more sweat? <laughs> I mean, I think Sean Miller just takes the cake right. on that in general. He's so, in it. Yeah. So, uh, St. John's at West Virginia, and maybe you're thinking, well, on paper, that doesn't look like a great matchup. Screw the teams. Rick <laughs> Patino versus Bob Huggins. Just have them meet at uh, center court and 
yell at each other yeah. or something, right? Yeah. Have them do their post games. Right. Have maybe do even a pregame, like an NBA style pregame media availability. They should have that. coach cams on the screen oh, constantly. Let's the do whole some time. mic up. Well, by the way, mic them up. And the Big East, they they always have their games on on Fox Sports. Um, so the Big East does this thing where in league play, and the Big Ten does this too, because Big Ten is also doing games through through uh, the Fox Sports um, those those channels. They have their coaches mic'd up. It is fantastic, and they have the uh, the NB the NBA on NBC like theme music going in their pregame. They do a full pregame show that is big time. It's all I I love their coverage because they get to elaborate on some of these coaches. It's a lot of fun. So just a quick tidbit there. TCU, great program now. Mm-hmm. At Georgetown, they go out and and they and they get Cooley from. Providence, and so they're trying to resurrect their basketball tradition. Um, five-star matchup here. Texas at Marquette and Shaka Smart. Yeah, I love that storyline. That's love a great storyline. Marquette was great last year. Coach of the right. year, you know, yeah. There you go. That that could that that was that's good. That could have been a, a Final Four matchup. Yeah, no doubt. Providence led by Kimmy English. Let's go at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Le- li- literally, let's go. Let's go. I'd like to go. You're saying, uh, I mean, no, let's go. I would like to get in the car and go to that. Kim yes. English, if you watch this or listen to this podcast, this is your first ticket request from us. Yeah. We want tickets right behind your bench in Oklahoma. and We will help you. Uh, Villanova at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, if you're a K-State fan, how quick are you going to buy those tickets? Yeah, we got Villanova coming to our house. Let's go. And then not, but Seton Hall at Baylor. Mm-hmm. But still, you got you know Seton Hall that they you know they've 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 had they've history, had good teams. You know? They've had good teams. But so I mean, who's the stronger basketball conference right now, top to bottom? Well, I think there's there's two interesting things here because obviously with Houston, you know, joining the Big Twelve and and what the Big Twelve is going to look like in basketball for just that one year, I believe is going to be really interesting. Um, now, you know, Houston obviously is with Coach Sampson the the tradition that they've started to build and the program they've built. Um, that's a really fascinating uh, just situation with Houston joining the big 12. I love that. Um, when you look at the big East, they have the national champion now in the big East. Villanova has won multiple national championships. When you look, you look at the history of, you know, the, the old big East as well. And what we used to talk about with the big East, you know, back in the day that I think they were back in the Kimball Walker days, you know, that was when the Big East was the Big East, the original Big East. There's a 30 for 30 on the original Big East. I think that is the most fun conference of basketball. And I think the Big East knows they're trying to get back to that. Um, and they're trying to get back to being that staple of a basketball league. And you look at some of the hires that have been made. I mean, obviously, you know, I'd love to see Coach A at St. John's, but Rick Pitino at St. John, St. John's come back. It's a great storyline for college basketball with Rick Pitino coming back uh, to the Big East. Uh, you know, I think... My boy Kim English at Providence is what a what a hire for them. So excited for Kim. Like I think the Big East is just going straight. You know, they're, the trajectory of that league is is even higher, and they just won a national championship. This and challenge ain't show. no joke. It's no joke. And the Big Twelve is still the Big Twelve, but so much is made of the Big Twelve being the best conference. And you know, the NCAA tournament. I think sometimes we take too much into consideration of you know teams getting knocked out, and the Big Ten's had great leagues and they have not performed well in in the NCAA tournament. So this is such a great matchup because yes, the two leagues are operating at such a high level, and the Big East I think has a you know a, a case to be made of being the best league in college basketball. I think the Big Twelve has a case as well, 
So it's going to make this matchup a lot of fun. So uh, we'll look forward to that. That's just another reason to be excited about college basketball coming up next season. Um, but, let, but let's spend some time on the NBA because this is great timing for us to have this episode of House of Hustle because we're getting through the play-in games. Are you – you is that – because I've I had people – you know, ask me like, why? Why do they? Why do they even do this? What? Why? Why not just have the one through eight seeds? And, mm-hmm. Like, do you like playing games? Do you think that's? Do you like this format? I I love it because I I think what the NBA really wanted to address is similar to how the National Football League operates, where you want excitement and thrill towards the end of the regular season before you get to the playoffs, and you want you know that level of. Um, with the playoffs in the NBA, it's it's obviously the best of seven. But when you have the play-in, it's very similar to like wild card round, survive in advance, kind of that NCAA tournament feel where you lose, you're done. And I think there's some excitement around that, uh, especially for teams that want to try to have a chance to get into the playoffs. Um, I think you can always look at you know the. I think for the West, it was such a the margin of error was it was just razor thin in terms of the West and jockeying for the sixth seed and getting out of the plan, making the playoffs like Golden State did because Golden State was in the plan for much of the second half of the season. Uh, and they were dealing with injuries and there were a lot of teams that had a case to be made to get into the sixth. Even the Clippers were sort of fa- falling there with Paul George getting hurt. They weren't playing well. And then all of a sudden they, they kind of take off, they get to the five. Um, I think that's what makes it such a entertaining and fascinating. The West was more than the East just because of playoff positioning and the play-in and who was going to be hosting a play-in game. Um, so much was made at the, the last game that Sunday. There were so many games going on that had drastic implications on the Western Conference playoff format, and that's what the league wants. They want that type of exposure and interest for the fans, that level of excitement, the drama of that to close the regular season and the play-in. That's why I love it. It's great for the fans. Um, you don't want to be in the play-in, and, you know, it's it, this year in the West, you lose a couple games. We lost a couple buzzer beaters, and we could have easily been in the sixth spot and been out of the play-in. And then, you know, we end up being the nine seed. So anything can happen when you look at some of these games, and it's what makes it fun for for fans. And that's what the league is wanting. They're wanting more of an emphasis on their regular season games, particularly closing the season and making that exciting for fans. So we know we have uh, the two eight-seed matchups. And, uh, you know, like you said, uh, win or go home. In the East, it's the Bulls and the Heat. In the West, it's the Thunder and the Timberwolves, who will end up as the uh, number eight seed in the East and the West based on these matchups. So I think for the from a matchup standpoint, like what the Hawks did uh, to the Miami Heat in terms of rebounding, uh, I was it was wild to really watch. Honestly, I mean the Miami Heat. They're such a talented team. Uh, but what we saw from the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, the rebounding margin was unbelievable. For the you know the Atlanta Hawks to have 63 rebounds and Clint Capella having 21 of those rebounds, um, you know, they just absolutely dominated the game on the glass and, and won a game, you know, on the road in Miami. Um, Miami's still, you know, a very good team. They're obviously very talented. Um, I think when you look at this game with, with Miami um, and, and what they're going to go up against, I look at their roster and... Bam Adebayo's got to probably give them a little bit more offensively. Um, you know, I think the bench, Kyle Lowry was really good uh, in that game. He had 33 in that that Hawks game um, coming off the bench. Can he play at that caliber and at that level? He's got to score the ball at, at a really high level. 
Um, but they really didn't. Like, Tyler Hero, Hero was really good. They just didn't get enough, I think, from, like, Jimmy Butler going 6 for 19. A lot of his production was at the free throw line. I know he had nine assists. Um, Miami's just not playing all that well. And I think when you look at this game against the Bulls, like, the Bulls came back uh, in that game against the uh, the Toronto Raptors, and, my gosh, that second half was so impressive of them just being in full attack mode. Um, had a great second half. They were terrible in the first half. Uh, and then they turned it on. They were led by Zach Levine, who, you know, is a you know terrific talent, elite player. Uh, and then DeMar DeRozan was great as well. Caruso gives them a great burst in terms of their defensive coverages. He's an elite defender. DeRozan's, DeRozan's daughter was great screaming. Yeah, she was too. Throw. She uh, was she too. Was. So I, I like uh, in this matchup, I would say that I give the edge to, to Chicago to pull the upset. But with that being said, the better roster and the more firepower is the Miami Heat. That's what makes this matchup so intriguing. And it's a 7-10 matchup, you know, so it's, it's a really fascinating matchup. When you look at the other side of the bracket, you look at the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder this is a, a matchup based off, you know, the size factor. And Rudy Gobert, is he going to play? Like, it's a really interesting storyline of, of is he still going to be suspended? Um, but I think with Minnesota and Carl and Anthony Towns and, and some of the shooting, too, that, that Minnesota has, um, I like Minnesota in this matchup. Now, look, Oklahoma City, they're playing with house money right now. And they're playing free. Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, was very good uh, against us the other night, as was Josh Giddy. Those are two younger players. I still think Jalen Williams, who's going to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year, uh, he has had a great rookie year. He's out of Santa Clara. Um, really, really long, athletic combo wing. Um, and look, OKC, they, they played really well uh, against us. They deserve to, to advance and deserve to play Minnesota. Um, and that, to me, is, is you know, a matchup where I think Minnesota should take care of business. And, and I think Minnesota's probably kicking themselves over that Laker game where they didn't close. And you know, Towns is a big part of that. Mike Conley's a big part of that, but Anthony Edwards was not good in the Laker game. He's three of seventeen, and he is too good of a player. And I, I don't expect Anthony to play that way in this game against Oklahoma City. And I do think Minnesota's bench, um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who we had in in New Orleans, very good role player. Um, when he's good, he is such a punch off the bench to give you some offensive production. He's got really good size and can shoot it. So I'll give Minnesota the edge in this game against OKC at home. Okay, so the matchups in the first round in the West, we're going to see the number one seed Denver taking on the winner of the game between Minnesota and OKC. The 4-5 matchup is Phoenix and the LA Clippers. The 3-6, Sacramento and Golden State. And then that 2-7 matchup is uh, John Morant and Memphis against uh, LeBron James and the LA Lakers. You can pick only one. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite matchup of these four series in the West in the first round? Uh, my favorite matchup by far is is the Golden State uh, matchup with Sacramento. And, you know, there's so many storylines here, um, particularly Mike Brown being the head coach at, uh, at Sacramento, was an assistant under Steve Kerr. Um, the Kings have had a great year, and they're a very talented team. Um, they're led by De'Aaron Fox. Um, they have really young talent in, in Keegan Murray, who's an excellent shooter, great three-point shooter. Um, Demontis Sabonis, who they got in a trade. Um, that trade's looking pretty good. That was a pretty, um, you know, the trade they made with Tyrese Halliburton. That was a trade that was got, got a lot of ridicule, but uh, ends up being a, a really good trade for, for the Kings because Sabonis has been so good for them as a big. Um, they also acquired Kevin Herter, who's been very good. 
Um, you know, the, 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 the bench conversation, I think both really is, is an interesting one because the Kings have a really good bench. Their offense is really predicated off ball movement and they got a lot of guys that can stretch it and score it. Malik Monk's been really good for them off the bench. With that being said, this is the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> These are the champs. Uh, this is Steph Curry. This is Clay Thompson. This is welcome Draymond back Gray. to the postseason, Sacramento. Yeah. And and welcome back. And you get uh, you get Steph and the Golden State Warriors. And and I think a big piece of this too is Andrew Wiggins coming back. Um, you know he's been banged up. He's been hurt, and they expect him to play. I'm curious, you know, what he looks like. There'll probably be some rust there. Um, but he was huge for the Golden State Warriors in their run last year. He was kind of the unsung hero. I mean, so much is made of Stephen Clay and Draymond for sure. Um, Jordan Poole, you know, I mean, my gosh, you got Jordan Poole. That's, uh, I think, right in the conversation with, with Steph and Draymond in terms of his ability to take over a game. Um, and Jordan Poole wasn't, you know, I don't think Jordan played all that well in the finals last year, but Andrew Wiggins did. Andrew Wiggins was great for Golden State. So, I mean, they add him back, and at full strength, Golden State is so dangerous. Um, I see this game going six or seven. I'll give the edge to Golden State, though. Um, and I think Kings fans hate to hear it, but th- there's going to be a lot of people picking the upset just because of what the Golden State championship pedigree is. And Sacramento hasn't been here in so long. And a lot of these guys with the Kings, it's their first time being in this. It's their first time being in the playoff format, and they got to go up against a group that's got 130 playoff appearances. That's pretty tough to overcome. That's a tough ask. Okay, over in the East, the number one seed, Milwaukee, will take on the winner of the Miami-Chicago game we talked about. 4-5 matchup, Cleveland and the Knicks. The 3-6, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and Brooklyn. And then the 2-7 should be an interesting series between Boston and Atlanta. Okay, so what's your favorite series in the first round in the East? So I, I think the Celtics will roll um, Atlanta. Um, you know, now Trey's played really well against Boston this year. He's averaged 31 and 11 against Boston. So he's, I mean, and, and Trey looked really good the other night. He's got to be consistent every night against Boston. But I, I think Boston will handle that series. Okay. Um, the Knicks and Cavs are intriguing. I think the Nets and Sixers are very intriguing as well, but I like the Sixers to beat the Nets. I will say the Cavs-Knicks series is probably the most intriguing at that 4-5. Um, you know, both teams... The Knicks kind of struggled towards the end of the year, but they didn't have Julius Randle. He's been banged up. Uh, I expect Julius Randle to be healthy and come back and be ready to go. Um, the Knicks are a really good team, and Jalen Brunson is playing at all, all pro um, NBA type of type of player. He's he's been great all year. Um, the Knicks acquiring him uh, when they wanted Donovan Mitchell is what's so fascinating about this series because Donovan Mitchell goes to Cleveland where he's been great, the size of, of – I mean, Evan Mobley will be in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. Um, I think he's got a case to win Defensive Player of the Year. I ultimately um, you know, don't think that he would would get it. I actually think Jaron Jackson will probably get it from Memphis. But th- this matchup is really a fun one. Jared Allen is very underrated. I think he's one of the most underrated centers and in the league. We had him in, when I was in Brooklyn. Um, I think he's going to be such a factor in this series with his length. I like the Cavs getting out of the series, but I think this is another one that could go 6-7. Um, you know, I, I think the Knicks are that good. Uh, I do think they have all the pieces to get out of the series as well, but I just think Cleveland's firepower is so high uh, when they're good. I think Karis LeVert is another underrated player in this series. 6-7 um, wing that is fully capable of giving you 25, 30, uh, 30 points. Now, look, the Knicks, Emmanuel quickly has been playing really well too. Another guy to watch in this series Josh Hart is a big impact player for the Knicks. They got him in a trade, defensive stopper. 
he's got to be good for the Knicks. But I just think the Cavs have so much firepower, size, athleticism. They defend. They can protect the rim. Uh, they have shooting. I, I just think the firepower for Cleveland, I'll give them the edge in the series. But I think it is the most intriguing matchup of those those East matchups. I was going to ask you if you had to pick uh, in each conference the you know which which lower seed uh, would have the best chance of advancing. It's not that difficult of a question because I think Golden State, yeah. <laughs> right? But then the, you, you, the Knicks, you like the Knicks? I mean, more yeah, than, yeah, more than Brooklyn or I think some people will. I mean, it's going to be talked about so much just because it's LeBron and the Lakers. But that Lakers Grizzlies series is really interesting. I just don't think the Lakers have enough shooting, um, and I don't think D'Lo is fully healthy. D'Angelo Russell. Um, now look, the Lakers, like the the trade that they made to acquire D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and you know, I know they got Rui Hachimura. Like they, they have done a nice job of just adding to that roster, and they've upgraded the roster, and it's it's shown. Um, and LeBron is has his game the other night against against Timberwolves. I mean, that was such an impressive performance in his twentieth year playoffs. You know, everything riding on it, and and he just steps up, comes through, has so many big plays down the stretch. That was an ugly fourth quarter. Uh, it was kind of a grinded out game. It was sloppy. It was ugly, and the Lakers find a way to win it. Grizzlies win healthy. There's been a lot of drama around them with John Moran, obviously. Um, he's back. They they look to be getting fully healthy as well at the right time. And Jaron Jackson is such a problem. I just don't – that matchup with Jaron Jackson and Anthony Davis, that is going to be a blast of a matchup. I, I give the edge to Jaron because he's been playing so well on both ends of the floor. I do think he's the defensive player of the year in my opinion. Um, he just makes so many things change defensively with his versatility. Kind of reminds me of Bam a little bit, only he's got so – he's added so much to his game offensively. And when he's making shots – I just think he can really expose Anthony on the perimeter. So it's going to be a good matchup. I don't think – I don't see an upset there, but that's one that's going to be talked about a lot. Is Embiid the MVP? Yeah, he'd be my MVP, I think. I mean, it's tough when you look at this because I do think they're – like Giannis Antetokounmpo, I still think it's – I don't think he gets talked about enough, I'll be honest. Like, I, I, I always turn on these national shows, and I, I know Embiid is in a big market, and Embiid should – be the MVP. Jokic has a case for sure. I, I think he's up there as well. It's a three-horse race. To me, and, and I've, I've seen all three of these teams live this year, and they make such an impact. All three of them are worthy of the MVP. Embiid is so efficient, and he's just an absolute force offensively. And his skill set at his size and his strength and his shooting, it is... It, the shooting thing is what changes the game for Philly with Embiid's ability to shoot the ball. Like he just has so such an array of skill, and it's so hard to guard. And defensively, he's been really good, and he's been fairly healthy. Giannis Antetokounmpo in person, though, when he's got it going, he's just a, a freight train downhill. He's so hard to guard. He's, he's a physical, physical freak. I mean, the, the Greek freak he is. He just – I think with, with Milwaukee – like they are so good in terms of what they've put around Giannis, and like adding Drew Holiday was a big get. You know, in terms of adding him, um, you know, adding Jay Crowder, a really good veteran piece. The 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 talent they had, Joe Ingles is another one they added. They got a lot of shooting around him. I think he is the most valuable player to his team, and why Milwaukee is so good, and why I think Milwaukee is so deserving of the one. Um, but I do think when we talk about MVP, Joel Embiid has just been that good this year. I, I just think he's had the numbers show it. His consistency shows it. Um, 
his impact on both ends of the floor speaks for itself. I mean, it's so hard to look at all three of these guys and think who's the MVP because all three have a case. But Embiid, I give the edge to a little bit. I just think if you're saying, do you want Joel Embiid or do you want Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's such a tough question. But watching those guys, Giannis, to me, is the most is the toughest player to guard in the league. Okay, so I, I think he's the toughest matchup to try to pl- try to game plan for. So I'll I'll, I'll use the 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 NFL as a, as a comparison. Okay, it doesn't matter what happens in a certain season. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, right? But he's not going to win the MVP every year. every year, right? That's just how it. That's just you know, he might get he might miss a couple of games. Uh, you know, the media might fall in love with a certain player one one year. You know. Lamar Jackson has a gear through the roof, and he just, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But just because a guy didn't win the MVP doesn't mean he's not the best player. So it sounds like you're saying, is it true? Is this a true statement? Giannis is the best player. He's the best player in the NBA, but maybe MB deserves the MVP this year. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. I mean, it's tough to, like, say that when Joel Embiid, you know, averaged 33 points a game this year, right, and shot 55 from the field, Um you know, he, he, I think from a regular season standpoint, like his rebounding percentage, his blocks. But the separator is the title. Who's got a title, right? The you separator is the title. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, too, with, with Giannis, like, it's probably just something where I saw him have a 50-point game this year. And it was like, it was almost a quiet 50. It's It was wild. It was like, you look up and you're like, man, Giannis has 47 points. And he, it's just because it's, it's just so effortless to him when he turns it on and I mean, the guy plays so hard in general, but like him downhill with the ball and he can play with his back to the basket and he can play in the mid-range and when he's shooting the ball, that just takes him to another level. But um, the, the the thing with Embiid, though, is he's got such a, an array of being able to play off his jump shot, which is a little bit different in how you compare these two. But I just think with Giannis, like his ability to, to score the ball downhill, attacking you know, physicality, he takes two, three guys to the rim and guys are hanging on him. Uh, his length is such a problem. Um, and just like when when you're talking about a guy late in, the, late in the year, the guy that's on the floor that's making the biggest impact in a game, I would love that Milwaukee-Philly series. I just, I think Giannis is such a problem for Embiid to try to match up against defensively. I think I think just Giannis, I give him the edge there of just his ability to to take over a game. They both can, but I like Giannis more than Embiid probably. I'm going to ask you just a kind of a prop question, and in no way am I asking you because of anything that I'm having to do with DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> Marco didn't make me ask you this. So stop accusing me. Who will score more points in their series, in the series against each other? John Morant or LeBron James? Mm. I don't care about wins. I don't care about rebound. I don't care about nothing else. Who's going to score more points in this series? John Morant or LeBron James? I think it'll be Ja. I think it'll be close, but I'll give the edge to I think it'll, I think it'll be Ja. I think LeBron, Le, <laughs> I think LeBron could actually continue to just you know pad his stat sheets in terms of steals blocks passes like in terms of pad, like the the stat sheet stuffing if you will i think lebron would be that guy but he also might go crazy he, one night and like score 50 he might like, go hey! nuts he might go nuts but i think ja could go nuts too sometimes like i, I don't I, it'd be hard to go against ja with his ability to get to the paint and 
Um, I don't want to go against LeBron, but I just think Jaw's the guy. So you think he'll score more points? I do. Okay. I do. All right. Final question here. What's your dream matchup? I can't. You can't pick the two one seeds. Okay. That's too much on. That's a. That, that's what we call a Nate Bucati sitting on the fence. You can't do that. Okay. Give me your, and you can pick one of the one seeds. Okay. But give me your dream matchup. Strictly as a basketball fan, that you're going to get your popcorn, you're going to sit down on your couch with your lovely fiance, and you're going to say, "I can't wait to watch this NBA Finals." Give me your dream NBA Finals matchup. For me, it'll be um, a, a throw it back, run it back of Bucks Suns. I think would be mine. Um, Giannis, Giannis against Durant, um, Chris Paul back in the finals. Okay, a chance to uh, right. to win an NBA title. I think that's a great matchup. Um, that's if, what you if, want to see. That's what I. I mean, oh, if I, yeah, I think I think that's my. I think that's what I would go with. I think the next Bucks question Suns. is, what are we gonna see? Then, what's your prediction? I I like Bucks Suns, but I I mean I think yeah I think Bucks Suns is is what we're gonna see. Um, man, I don't want to go against the Celtics though either. Like, I think the Celtics are really good, and that's funny. That's that's it's a tough. To go against the Celtics. That, that's a tough one. I I think you know Boston in the finals would be an interest an interesting you know conversation. I like the Suns out of the West though. I think I think it starts there. I don't think I don't see the Clippers pulling the upset. I think I, I think the Nuggets Suns. It's a bad matchup for the for the Nuggets. Um, you know, should that take place? You know, a bunch of people just think, Whew. of course. Golden State's going to be healthy for the I know. playoffs. And then everyone, How could you go against Golden State? Right, but because it, it could be where we're all like doing these mental gymnastics to pick other teams, and they just roll through like, why didn't we pick Golden State? So here's the matter. Your question about what what dream matchup. Yeah, like I would. Like, I actually, the dream matchup comes before the finals. Oh, okay, Can I say this? Hear of course. It's got to be Suns Warriors, right? right. Durant sure. against the Warriors. Can you like the, that that matchup? Just for Twitter. Just for Twitter. Just for Twitter. Like that matchup is amazing. Kevin Durant's tweets post game. Suns Golden State. Like that is a fun matchup. That is a very fun matchup. I that to me is the most like thrilling, exciting storylines everywhere. Durant against Steph. Um, that would be a fun matchup again. Like if that would be a Western Conference type matchup. Um, down the road, you know, Western Conference Finals kind of thing. That would be wild. I, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm sadistic, and so I want the Knicks to be up like three one, <laughs> and then blow it to Cleveland just, just to see just, the reaction of the fans, yep, yep. like interviews on the street, and you know, so I can read social Knicks social media. It's just funny too. Like you can look at all these matchups, and there's like a story, like like uh, Trey Young. When they play, when the Hawks played the Knicks a couple years back in the playoffs, what happened in MSG? That was hilarious. He's got to go to Boston. Like, I mean, it's it's worse in TD in Boston in terms of their fans and like them getting on players. Like sometimes for their own players, a, it's worse it's than Boston. Exactly. Like that matchup with Trey Young and TD Garden with the Celtics. Like that's a great one too. It's a great storyline. So there's so much. This is what makes the NBA playoffs fun. And and we talked about this earlier this morning. Like years back, you would say. Okay, wake me up in the finals when these two teams are matching up, right? right. If it's Cavs with LeBron and not and this year, not this year, no. And the 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 trades that were made at the deadline and Durant leading that charge with the Suns, um, that I mean, it's just wild. The Suns are a four seed. They're a four seed. Yeah, now, like, now you got me thinking about the things he'll tweet during the Golden I know. State series. I wouldn't and the, sl- and the I, I wouldn't sleep on Philly in the, as the three in the East with Harden and Embiid and like. They have a lot of pressure on them in Philly of, of all markets. The you know the Philly fans that 
they are expecting them to get back to the finals with this crew. That's that's another fascinating thing. I, I think they get through the net series, but then it gets fun after that. And then, like we talked about, like everyone's going to want like ESPN is already passionately in love with LeBron James, Shocker. John Moran. That's Shocker. all you know. Shocker. But hey, to their point, it, I, it's I, a storyline. Yeah, I, I was asking I get who's going to score more. I, my, my, I'm like in a. I'm going to tune in. And let's be honest, what LeBron's doing in year 20, it's crazy. Like, right. I mean, he's still playing at such a high level. Like, so his dunk the other night in the Minnesota game, like, looks like LeBron from, you know, his third year in the league. Like, he, his verticality is still just like, man, he's so explosive. He's guarding people that could be his children. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's oh. crazy to see him impact the game still in so many areas as a passer and, like, yeah, I think he finished the year again, like averaging 27, 10, and 6 or something like that. I mean, it's just like his production year in and year out and here in year 20 and his durability. I know he got banged up this year and got hurt, but, I mean, he's back. He's in the playoffs. He's still playing at a high level, and they're still dangerous. You know, it's still AD. It's still LeBron. Um, they need D'Lo to play better. That's still a fun series, that Lakers-Grizzly series. I also demand satisfaction for Quinn Snyder. So Absolutely. Go Let's go. Let's go. Hey, they're, they're, like, they played a lot better with Quinn. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Quinn Snyder is one of the best coaches every, in the league. Every time I bring that up, like, Nate gives me funny looks. He's a good coach. He's a great coach. He's an elite coach. He's not a good go coach. He's an elite Katie. coach. Go find him. Yeah, I'll go, I gotta go find Nate. I gotta go find Nate. Because you know him. how it is. Because oh, yeah. when I bring up Quinn Snyder, oh, you uh -huh. know. But he turned out. First of all, he took the job in season. He took the job in season. And right. then it was like, uh, you, you, everybody was like, oh, he's going to take another year off. And then he takes the Hawks job and starts coaching immediately. Like, and here they are. Couldn't you? Unbelievable. Figured all this stuff out. <laughs> I got Steven riled up. This is what's my. Just I don't, you know. And they, because somebody, who was it? Alex Schiffer for the Athletic wrote yeah, an article. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. About uh, about you know how how Mizzou's staff with Quinn Snyder had mm -hmm. had three guys that helped you know change the NBA. John Hammond, NBA. Igor, oh, and, yeah. I, and I've looked at it. I go. I love Alex Schiffer. He's a fantastic writer, but I've I've not mentally prepared myself to read this yet because I don't. It's a you great know read. I mean? like, it's I, a great read. I'm sure that it is, <laughs> but I like I do I. So will I get? Will it? Will I go through it reading? <laughs> as we've talked about before, as we've talked about before, there could be a 30, 30 for thirty on the Mizzou basketball program dating back to when Norm Stewart was retiring. Uh, you could just rewind the clock on so many moments. In Mizzou's bas Mizzou basketball history of the you program, you look at the staff that he had and what all the woulda yeah. coulda shouldas. Oh man! And the Tyler Hansborough woulda coulda shoulda. Lane Odom, who was an assistant for Quinn, yeah. is now a scout with the Jazz. Uh, he's been Quinn brought him to Utah, and and then his brother just lost to Mizzou in the NCAA uh, tournament. Uh, full circle. Uh, Let's go! It's just amazing, like the amount of players too that you know ended up playing professionally over you know play over whether over overseas or in the NBA and. The talent that was on those Mizzou teams with Quinn, and you know, I want you to read it because then I want to have a. I'm not, it's like it's like when we we've um, like when you've talked about secession, and when you've talked about you know some of these shows that it's like you don't want to spoiler alert. I don't want to spoiler right, alert you. I gotta read it, but you gotta read it. And Look. there's so many things like, and Alex did a great job, and I I think there's probably some things that might not have made the article. Oh, I, <laughs> you know I bet there's a lot of there's things that didn't make the article. <laughs> I bet I mean, you the got obvious list of things. Them right there's now. obvious things that didn't make the article. But I just think it's interesting that, um, and I, I, I can say this, just having worn the uniform at Missouri, I do think Mizzou should 
look long and hard of bringing Quinn Snyder back okay, to Columbia, so, Missouri. And like I like okay, so I was at that game in San Jose, the Elite Eight loss to Oklahoma, uh-huh, yeah. when Clarence Gilbert refused to hit a three and Arthur Johnson refused to make a free throw. Free throws, man. But mm. even like through all that all that time, it was one of those things. Like I thought Mizzou was going to go on a run. Because I, you know, I'd watched the win, uh, two nights four against UCLA, mm-hmm. and Dan Gensurik trying to guard Arthur Johnson, and so I'm watching that, and I great name. I kept expecting. I didn't think Mizzou was going to lose until they lost. Does that make any, if that makes any sense? It wasn't one of those things where halftime, I'm like, oh, they're not going to win this game Just, until the bitter end. Okay, this is going to be a good question for you because Mizzou fans have asked me this question. It's a hot topic. The Elite Eight team that you're talking about in San Jose with Arthur Johnson. Gilbert, those guys. The Damari Carroll, Leo Lyons, Elite 18. Can't answer this. Kim English, Marcus is rookies. I won't answer. You're not answering? I, I will, I, maybe. Those two teams, because those two teams, I think, had a realistic chance to Green make a Final Rush. Four. That was a nasty team. That, that, was, that team was, Gilbert. That was a great team. Arthur Johnson, Ricky Paulding. Ricky. Mm. Right? I mean, right? Mm. Ricky right? Paulding now living in Kansas City now, by the way, and retired. So, after a like, long like the, the game, career. but I'll tell you what, the game that pisses me off the moment I think all the time about is the Elite Eight game. Why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? This, the, this was not what this podcast we could, was about. <laughs> 30 for 30. Was the, you, was, was the you, Elite Eight game is UConn. This is therapy for, okay. for yeah. Remember? Uh-huh. Remember, he gets UConn. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, I remember. Help me out here. I think Maddie Lawrence had hit a big three. Mm-hmm. And either to break it, it, To oh, break his 1,000-point score. Let's go. And then Kemba Walker came down at the end of the shot clock and made some kind of acrobat. It was great yeah. defense, stupid shot. And I was like, oh. We came all the way back right. in that You remember game. what I'm talking about? Oh, my Walker gosh, yeah. Well, I just remember Hashim, Hashim Thabit was their, their center and was the, I mean, you were talking about rim protector, my goodness. And we did not play well in that first half. And here I go going down this rabbit That's hole. It's just, just darkness. But. We came all the way back in that game. Justin Stafford was great. Keith Ramsey was great. They they are like the unsung heroes yeah. of that game. Uh, Leo, I be, or maybe it was Damari, was in foul trouble. Um, but we did not play well in the first half. We like played right into their hands from a game plan standpoint. And like there were things like the, our style of play was like up tempo, fast paced attack the rim, you know. And they had a massive rim protector that just tattooed shots at the rim in the first half. Then we finally figured it out and adjusted. And Matt hit some big shots, and Kim played well in that game. Um, but man, yeah, like that UConn team was loaded, and they had like Price and Sticks, and you know, and obviously Kemba was great as a he was a freshman, I think. After that game, I got loaded. <laughs> Let me ask. It's you a tough this. flight home. Tough you, flight home. Uh, Talk about bringing Quinn Snyder back to Columbia. What are the chances of him coming on this podcast? You think there's some things that can be done? I had here. a good relationship with him. Like if you drop my name, yeah, we're, we're good. You I know, feel like we, I, mean, I, bet there, I think there's there's ways there's requests. ways to notify there's ways to notify him of wanting to have him on our our podcast. Right, and like there's I, ways to do this. Look, we used to have him, I used to have him on the show, and we had a good relationship. I then I used to cover a lot of games in Columbia. Yeah, and we good. And so I think you know I, I get his reluctance to want to come back and. But we're not. If we have him on, I'm not gonna. You know, we're not gonna dig through all the other stuff. Like I want. It's more of like, man, look what look look where you are now. You yeah. lived up to all the hype and the promise, and I want my my I first I, my first time to I went to Mizzou basketball camp and it was Quinn Snyder basketball camp at uh, at Hearns. This was before the arena was. I think the, I think the arena was built, but it wasn't opened yet. Um, and I remember just like 
looking up to like Quinn and Trayvon Bryant and Paul Ding and Rush and like all these guys were like idols to me now. And now Tony Harvey and and now to yeah oh gosh Tony Harvey wow and then like to to think like now I'm just as from an alumni standpoint of just these guys that man they just they were such a great team and it just goes to show you like. Your alumni with your program, it matters so much, and and Dennis Gates has talked about this because there's a deep pride of of the history of the program, and like even these guys, you know, talking to Josh Kroenke and talking to Paulding and talking to Rush, like when we were in school in 2008, 2012, and them watching our games together and like pulling for us and how much they loved our teams, like that's what makes you know being a part of a program so special. Kroenke to get involved in this NIL. Hey, Crocky he's just, got all these, and he's him. got a lot of things going on. That's, I need him you know? to have that going on. Fair. Start to line these players' pockets, all right? Just knock, knock on Lawrence Bauer's door. LB. Elbow. So, uh, this all of a sudden, this podcast became stupid. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. Hey, we, we got a lot of things covered here. We got a lot of things covered. You think, you think Greg from Charlie Hustle's going to enjoy the last 10 minutes of this podcast? No. Mizzou fans need this, though. They I need to go down memory so. lane. I don't I think. know that they do. I don't know if they do. Talk, talk about Charlie Hustle before we say goodbye. Please. I am rocking Charlie Hustle gear right now, rocking just so it. you know. This is the most comfortable sweatshirt I own. Um, mm-hmm. They actually just doing a spring cleaning sale right now, 60% off items at the Charlie Hustle website, so make sure you check out the Charlie Hustle website. Do it. Um, big thanks to, to Greg Moore and Chase McNulty and everybody at Charlie Hustle. We went there together uh, a couple weeks ago, checked out uh, their offices here in KC. Um, Got to get stocked up on your gear for the NFL draft. I got a Nigerian up. Nightmare Christian Okoye t-shirt, mm. so top that. That's what I'm talking about. I just needed some KC swag to, yeah. you know, on planes. I like to wear my KC swag, my Charlie Hustle gear. You love so. Kansas City. Nobody loves wearing shirts of their city more than people in that Kansas is City. Accurate. Because we love KC. Accurate. All right, man. That was a great podcast until the very end when you made me serious. <laughs> but I, I gotta apologize. I right. got I got Steven off the rails. Right. But uh but until the next episode of House of Hustle, that's Jared Sutton. I'm Steven St. John. And remember, Kansas City is for hustlers.